0: Hello. No, it's still it's still morning. It's still morning. Oh, let me turn that music off. I signed the music blasting. What am I doing? Hi there. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. Um, talking over the music and all shit like that. Well, I had a listener and uh, remind me that hey, what's what's going on? Why are you? it's it's friday and you only have one episode out well you know every every so often even these shows take a couple weeks off i i wasn't i had a very busy week with my other crap going on but then i really do have time i'm just a lazy ass by nature you know going into work i'm i don't know i tell people i have 3 4 different jobs and They think I'm very ambitious, but um, for some reason I realize I'm I'm much more prone to inertia than anything else. And I had planned it was Thursday. I said, I could do two shows on Thursday. I'll get all caught up. I'll get my three shows done. Well, what happened? Wednesday night, I went to bed. I woke up at 3.30 and couldn't go back to sleep and that was uh, 4 hours to sleep i remember a day when i was in college and i'd have a paper due at the end of uh, the you know term exams came up and uh, you know final exams and shit like that and i had to pull all nighters you know stay up and do papers and stuff like that sometimes you know, no sleep or one hour sleep, two hours sleep. I've done that when I was working, where I've, I mean I walk around with two two hours sleep at most. And it wasn't optimum, but I could function. And after an hour or two after being awake, I was usually I thought I was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. But holy crap and I don't mean to put No aspersions to dog, but I felt like dog shit yesterday. And it was palpable. It was... You could see it in me. I felt it yesterday when I, I actually went to the gym. And yesterday was my day off. I did very little yesterday. Did very little. I just felt horrible. Just drawn out. Like... That Stretch Armstrong, just all the way out. Mm. Crap. And I didn't until, I think, I had a little nap. I know, nap. That's an old man thing. I know, I need, I need a nap. I took a nap today, too. I slept great last night and did that. I'm coming out of it. I'm going to do a little experiment. Right now, this is me without coffee. It's 12 o'clock. I'm going to drink a little coffee. I'm going to see, see if you notice a difference. I had some coffee around 6.30, 7 o'clock. I think my last cup was at 7.15. So that's almost five hours. And looking at the clock, it's noon right now. I just made a fresh pot. I'm going to see what happens. And you're going to hear it. But it is interesting. I'm 57 years old. If I don't get... If I get five hours, I'm okay. If I get less than five hours... I am horrible. That is, I am useless. I couldn't. I'm lethargic, and sometimes I'm talking to people. I wonder why they're a certain way, and I'm thinking maybe they don't get enough sleep. It's their state of being. I don't sleep. You know, I hear people. I don't sleep more than four or five hours a night. I said that's horrible. That's horrible. I think I would. I think I would uh, probably not last six months. I really need that downtime. you know rejuvenate, and I'm not just talking about the regular the circadian rhythms and going to R you know REM sleep, REM sleep, doing that download thing where you do when you go to sleep and you have your dreams and your brain kind of rejuvenates. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe people. Some people that don't have a lot of things going on, don't really have a lot of sensory items going into their brain, don't need that much sleep. And I'm not insulting them. I'm not calling them stupid or anything like that. They may have that going on. But some people with overactive brains, that an overactive brain doesn't mean you're super intelligent. You know, There's machines that work efficiently and work easily, and there's machines that work hard, use a lot of fuel but aren't really efficient and we all know vehicles like that vehicles that there was old four cylinder engines you used to get like 20 miles to a gallon that's not very efficient is it so you know energy and rest is the rest is the maintenance that you do your body repairs and stuff like that so yeah after a day i felt great today and I was aware, of it. and I'm aware of it when I'm hungry. I'm I'm more acutely aware when I'm hungry, when I haven't eaten. I need a certain amount of protein, fat, carbohydrates, just to, to keep going. I know it sounds crazy. I know I don't like to do too many uh, over the counter things. You know, I do. I mean, a little testosterone enhancement, maybe something that helps me not pee at night. That's more of a natural. Uh, there's natural herb supplements that you could do that help you drain your your uh, bladder at the uh, before you go to sleep, so you don't get up as often. Just all sorts of things. Well, I'm going to pause this now. I'm going to go and get my cup of coffee, or maybe I'll just leave it on while I'm getting my cup of coffee. You tell me. I'm going to talk a little louder. I'm in an empty room, so um, I'll, I'll move it towards me. It's going to you're going to hear a little echo, but I'm going to get up and. Pour myself a cup of coffee and just get started on this experiment. So right now, yeah, people say, "Hey Jim, you sound pretty aware right now." But I'm maybe it won't be apparent in my demeanor or the speed of my diction. It will be apparent to me though. I I am I'm feeling pretty good, but I want to be a little more alert right now, so I'm going to try that. I'm getting up right now. Okay, I got my Creason art coffee maker, my Snap-on Tools coffee mug. It's one of those travel mugs that you seal up and the coffee stays hot. I'm big on hot coffee. I mean, I'll drink, hey, listen, when I really want coffee, I will drink it cold. I'll drink it cold and old. Like syrup. Here we go. Put a little, little creamer in it. I like that dry shit for some reason. I always use a dry creamer. Because I don't like dropping the temperature of my coffee. I don't know. Uh, But uh, I haven't done that experiment. But you don't have to keep it cold. It's not like creamer. You keep it in. It doesn't. And then I put a little, like a quarter teaspoon of sugar. Here we go. Oh, boy. That's the ticket. Mm. On a side note, recently, a couple... God, it's been 12. When I moved down here to Florida, I became more cognizant to what I pay for when I go to the supermarket, how much money I outlay. And I noticed every so often the coffee would go on sale. Like one week out of the month. Or it won't be on sale for two months. So what I did, and I always had coffee when I lived by myself, uh, and I'm going to talk about that four cup, you know, people having to have a single cup of coffee maker. I don't understand that fucking shit, but uh, the, uh, I would buy regular well-known like Maxwell house coffee. They'd come up as little bricks because I don't want to buy the cans of coffee because I want it to be ecologically sustainable. So I buy those vacuum packed blocks and I'd save one container, and I use that container over and over again. dumping when I open up the block. Dumping a coffee in there. So they sell them for two for one every so often. So I would go in there and buy four, six, and make sure I always had like six, a backlog of six of them, or more, while it's on sale. And then if it's on sale frequently, I'll build that stockpile up to maybe six or eight. Right then, if you know if there was a shortage. You know, and so supposedly that stuff stays fresh for over a year. And now with being with Abby, and now it's the little one who's 14, going to be 15, she started drinking coffee, not like we do. She has a mix. So she has at most maybe a half a cup in the morning. I would have like 10, 12 bricks of coffee in my, and it's probably, some of you probably have it more than I do. And then... Whenever the price of coffee go up, you'd always see that, you know, we'd be, we wouldn't have to buy coffee at that time. Well, after a while, we started noticing when you go out that even if it was Maxwell House, that coffee is okay. But you notice the other coffees you get at Starbucks and stuff would be so much better. So we started buying Starbucks. And there's this other one was called Major Pete's or Major Dickinson. It was called Pete, P-E-E-T, a free commercial for them, let's say. And this is a New England brand coffee, just high end coffee. And it eight, nine dollars for twelve ounce break of coffee. It's still cheaper than going to a, a fancy coffee. I mean if you people get up in the morning and they go to the gas station and buy a cup of coffee. It could have been sitting around for three, four hours. It tastes like fucking mud. And you can get you can make yourself a great cup of coffee, you know, cleaning your filters, making sure your filters are clean and stuff like that. You can have a great cup of coffee every time. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's, is it that? No, I can't. I can tell my speech. It's, it's not that hard to make one cup of coffee. I don't understand a single cup coffee makers because it has a setting on almost every coffee maker that says one to four when you only make one to four cups. You know what? And two cups of coffee is not two cups of coffee. It's one cup of coffee. It's those tiny tea cups of coffee. You know, maybe I'm drinking, I drink too much fucking coffee. Well, I made a little over four, so I didn't have to hit the one to four setting. There's a setting on your coffee maker. If you buy something that costs more than $30, 40 there's a setting on everyone's coffee maker that says one to four cups. And that's, I don't know what it does, but it must make the coffee extra hot or makes it sure it drops right in the middle or something that utilizes most of the grinds because it's, I I guess it's a different process when you have the way it drips, uh, you know, these drip coffee makers make when you make like 10 to 12 cups. So that's enough about me. But but it has um, over the past two years, we stopped buying regular coffee, the good coffee, and we started buying great coffee. And even then, they go on sale every so often. So we buy extra. Now the coffee's a little more, but I don't buy coffee out that much. So... If I buy, it's the difference is buying around, let's say, one to two cups of coffee out a week. I mean, I've gone to restaurants. and had some crappy cup of coffee. I, in the movie Elf, Will Ferrell's walking by a diner in New York. And out front it says the world's best cup of coffee. Now that's one of the, that's an objective statement. Say the best cup of coffee. And even the best cup of coffee is an objective decision. For the longest time, I loved instant coffee. I would take that over brewed coffee anytime. There was something about it, the taste of it. It didn't taste like regular coffee because when you make it instant, I guess they're just taking the residue of coffee freeze drying it so it would just you know it would just melt in water because it's not grinds anymore because grinds are gone so i i don't even know the process of it and over in europe they do that a lot a lot of people just because i guess coffee you know they're they're tea drinkers too but here i am i'm drinking some of this coffee i'm gonna have another sip I can tell that's either the Starbucks, we also have, we usually have three different types of coffee, either Starbucks or this Pete coffee, the brand's called Major Dickinson's. Yeah, Major Dick in the Rear, no, but it's nine bucks, but you can get, what, 120 cups out of it, and what's 120, it's it's 15 cents a cup of coffee. And why would you not? And why would you not get something that's great? You know, an old cup of great coffee is better than a new cup of bad coffee. That's the way I look at it. Because I just turn it off. But that's enough about fucking coffee. Um, and that coffee didn't do anything for me yesterday. When I'm feeling like that coffee just, my my body's lethargic and I'm just... Dragging my ass around, so perhaps it's not optimum, but I was functional. And after four hours, I mean, even then, you figure throughout the day when I when I was younger, I get tired, and throughout the day, I'd feel better. I didn't feel any better until I got my nap. Let's start talking about the vaccine rollout. I know. Hey, Jim. He's bartender. Why do you keep on talking about this shit? Well, this is the stuff we talk about in bar. We talk about every, almost everything except making drinks. Sometimes I'll talk about drinks. All the, uh, sometimes I'll talk about drinks for a moment. I have people that come in. I'm going to just insert this in here just so you make you feel comfortable. But I had someone come in and wanted a coconut martini. A coconut. I didn't have any coconut vodka or anything like that, but I said I'd give it a go. And I would, I always say, hey, do you have a coconut? People go, do you have a coconut martini? And I say, oh, sure. Uh, no, sure I don't. I don't have that. Don't, you like pomegranate martini? Do, what do, you, do you like a pomegranate martini? We don't have that either. No, but what we did have, we have the, uh, it's Coco Lopez. Coco Lopez is the mix you use with pineapple when you blend it together with With um, you blend it together with pineapple and makes the pina colada mix. It's half Coco Lopez and half pineapple, and it's great. And what we do at our bars when we make pina coladas, we use the raw Coco Lopez and pineapple. A lot of other places will make the blend, blend it together, and then use it, pour it in with rum, and just do it there. Yeah, that'll work fine in a pinch and stuff like that. It just works a little better when you blend it right before you make it. So what I did that day of, I'm thinking, what do I need to put in there? She didn't say a coconut pineapple martini, which I did have pineapple vodka, which probably would have worked pretty good. But that would be a pina colada martini, I can use pineapple vodka and a little. I just realized something while I was talking. But what I did is I took vanilla vodka, a good vanilla vodka, and put a touch of Coco Lopez in the uh, shaker, and I shook it together. And technically, that isn't a martini. A martini for me is either vodka or gin. And why not rum? You know why, why, why aren't there rum martinis? Why did vodka get invited to the party? Not rum. Now whiskey kind of did with the Manhattan. But they don't call it a, a whiskey martini. It's only gin and vodka. That's kind of a fucking exclusive club. But what happened? I made the vanilla and the Coco Lopez. The person liked it. And then a week or so later... I had another order for it. And I go, what the hell? Another coconut martini. And they said you made it for before. And they asked you to make it exactly the same way. Now, there's a danger right there. From day to day when you're making something up for somebody, if you don't write it down, I don't write down anything. I just do it. I don't write down. But it's hard to make it exactly. But I seem to remember I used vanilla vodka and Coco Lopez, which isn't that hard. Now, whenever you got like four or five mixes in it, when I make something up, that's that's the thing. I say, listen, you know, if I mix it up with four or five uh, different liquors and maybe uh, liqueurs and one juice and maybe uh, a bitter or something, it may, but. That's the nature of it. I'll just say, listen, this is a one-time only. Not that I won't make it for you again. I may not be able to make it for you again because I can't remember. Okay? And I guess it does blend in well with the vaccine rollout thing. Uh, I'm going to do a real short history lesson. In 1955, Jonas Salk um came about the discovery of the polio Or it's when they started using the polio vaccine. And polio was known about for years. It affected the spinal cord. And, and a lot of people died or became paralyzed with polio. Famously, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And his, when he was an adult, came down with polio and lost the use of his legs. So... Polio was, uh, the vaccine was rolled out. And even at one point, there was a batch of polio vaccines made in California, which were tainted, where 30 people, 30 or 40 people died. And a couple hundred people were paralyzed. Yeah, that's pretty big, huh? They're making a big deal about people like getting one or two people getting... 100 million, well, out of 20 million getting the Johnson & Johnson, getting the, um you know, blood clots. But this, and they kept on doing a polio vaccine after some, you know, that's, the, but you got to remember, polio was raging through countries, and it was taken for granted that pre-World War II, you'd get uh, a, lo- a lot of countries, smallpox was the 1700s, they came out with, uh, a vaccination where they used small amounts of infected uh, areas. If you ever watched the uh, HBO miniseries John Adams, uh, Abigail Adams had her, all her kids vaccinated. And one of her daughters came down after being vaccinated, they came down with it and she had marks and everything from it. But they, whenever there was a an outbreak of smallpox, the more educated people had their children inoculated because they didn't want them to get accidentally sick, and there was reason for it. It says a little of it now. Now with vaccines, they use inactive um, viruses or whatever to to initiate an immune response and create immunity for it. So I'm not going to get much into science, but polio. Was eradicated in the United States. The last case was 1979, and that's 24 years later. And it and the um, in the in our hemisphere, it was 1991 in the, in the, in the Western Hemisphere. Now, polio was still raging for years and years in, in Africa, and there was always an anti-vax. An anti-vaccine uh, movement in Africa and less developed countries, but it's just it's it's um, I, I hesitate calling it, it's not being informed, and you know, other ways are call ignorance, but people would say not the you know there was a hesitancy to it, but there hasn't been, there there wasn't seen as a hesitancy, hesitancy was uh, prior. To when they had vaccine rollouts with the the the, uh, the flu back in the early 1900s, like the Spanish flu, Spanish influenza, which is was kind of a ethnic decentralized horror, uh, hatred because Spanish flu really came about because of. Westerners, not well, Westerners there, Europeans and stuff like that. But I think it may have developed in, in, um, you know, more. In, it may have came about in the United States. I don't know why you call it Spanish flu. Probably because they noticed the Spanish flu. So we've had uh, people hesitant to that, but there were more evangelicals, and they always say, you know, vaccine was against God's will. A plague, a plague was seen as a a righteous response to uh, evil in the world. That's where the evangelicals back in the early 20th century, that's 1900s for you, uh, decided not to. And then the movement in the late 90s, and then you had an anti-vaccine movement come about, that saying that autism was... The byproduct of vaccinations in children and stuff like that. No one thinks that. No one thinks of all the harmful other chemicals that we put in our body, all the shit we eat and drink. I, 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 for one, ate a ton of crap, and we. we uh, it just happens every so often. But you know, to tie it to vaccine, it's easier to investigate single factors than multiple factors but there's so much there was ddt there was pesticides there's all these byproducts we use in our fuels and, and aerosols and cleaning products so you never you n- you never know what exactly unless you recreate the whole thing but i'm getting far from it. the vaccine the vaccination agency was primarily people that were ill-informed in the 1900s, but prim- primarily, uh, other than that, was evangelicals. And now, with the large ones, you have an anti vaccine movement, and because of social media and the spread of alternative media, meaning people get their information from Facebook, Instagram. I mean, I was going to say message boards, but message boards were pretty much done by 2000, right? So we got all these people, and it seems like certain people you can find out that you can see the certain people that follow certain news. And it's true and they know it that the followers of the former occupant of sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue are forty four percent less likely, or forty four percent say they are unlikely to get the vaccine. And they don't want to, and because they don't get it, which I understand. Now, I this is what I understand from them. I understand that if you don't want to get the vaccine, that you don't want there to be a a preference for people to get the vaccine, to be able to travel, stay in hotels, get on planes, rent cars, go to big public events, uh, sporting events, entertainment venues and things like that. They don't want that. And that makes total sense that someone thinks vaccines are horrible. Now, for someone who believes that the vaccine stops the illness in its tracks and reduces the amount of total deaths and the effects of it, they're like, no, the reason why they have it is you. if you feel you have to go to those and you don't have it, then you're not protecting yourself. What if, what if some people believe that um, you should be able, let's say guns weren't around. Let's say swords were the thing where people had. There were no firearms. And they said, well, you can't go with swords to a sporting event. Because people get angry and when they get angry, you know, when their team's not doing well, they have a tendency to start waving their swords around and start fighting. I didn't go with guns because that's stupid. You know, why would you want people to come in with guns? I'm sure there's people that say, I want to be able to bring my gun to a sporting event, which I disagree with that because some people just can't handle it. Okay. It's people. People kill people, not guns kill people. Well, people with guns kill people easier. So that is a decision they made. And they make the same thing with guns. And they say not to bring certain things with you on planes. No one complains about the plane. I mean, every so often there's an idiot tries to get on a plane with their handgun. Even though they're going through a metal detector, an x-ray machine. Mm, good coffee, good coffee. But... They they handle that, but they can't handle vaccine. I guess is it? I mean, I understand the science thing, but the the mat. They, there's a, a charter school, a private school. It's a private school, not a charter school, because it doesn't accept people from the public. You have to be accepted in the school um, in Miami that decided to it said it would not allow teachers to teach at the school if they got vaccinated. And it became national news. And here's the center of education. It costs upwards of $30,000 a year to send your kid there. And and even though the parents believe in that, a, a lot of parents support the decision by the school to make that decision, that there was a big uproar about it. I mean, what is it about charter schools and private schools that make them more prone to people to believe those things? And I thought about that. And you know what? I don't have to be an expert. I always have these things that people come and say, you're just a bartender. You're just a bartender. Well, show me the credentials of Plato, Socrates, Aristophanes, they didn't, they didn't go to college. They listened to other people. A philosopher doesn't have, I mean, some of them, you know, Euclid and all that, they did experiments. But most of the things they said weren't experiential, they weren't experimental, they were just thought experiments. Plato's cave, when he talks about people, not uh, life or reality being similar to people who live in a cave with a fire at the entrance of the cave, right, or outside the cave, and what people see on the inside of the cave, the, uh, the wall of the cave, is shadows of the things that are happening outside. But they don't know the whole picture. So reality's that way. And it's pretty much well accepted that people say these guys knew what they were talking about. So if you're talking about philosophy, call it philosophy. There's science and there's philosophy. So you had the great thinkers, and then you had the great scientists. And that'd be people like Newton, Einstein, Mendeley. Or Mendel, right? The guy that came out with gene theory and all that. Or Lister with bacteria. Or Fleming with antibiotics. There's science and there's philosophy. And what people are practicing out there are philosophy. Philosophy is saying, I don't want to put anything in my body, unless I know the outcome years from now. And it is a philosophy. You could follow it. It's more like a religion. Now, seatbelts, every so often when you wear a seatbelt, a seatbelt can cause your death. Could cause you to be locked in to a place. But most of the time, in a severe accident, or moderate accident, It'll save you from severe injury or death. Are people not, are they getting rid of seatbelts? No. No. It's just the way it is. It's a law of numbers. And if millions and millions of people, and if we did unchecked the COVID-19, no one knows how many people would have died. We know how many people died now. And that's with some of the safety protocols that we put in place. Now, some countries were much more successful. Now, if it's funny because if you believe those safety protocols don't do anything to protect you, then what you're saying about the countries that were able to control it more is that those countries' people are more... Uh, they're healthier and more resistant. They're superior to you. Okay? And you might think you're superior. You know, you may think you're superior enough you can just throw it off. But I've seen a lot of these people at those rallies and stuff like that. And health-wise, I would not trade my health for their health. I would be, if I did not take care of myself, I would be a lot worse off than I am. i probably have a significant underlying issues that if I didn't do the things I do to keep myself healthy, I would definitely have major problems. But in the long run, the vaccine will have reduced the death by a large magnitude, just like polio did, the polio vaccine did. And it was eradicated here in the United States. I think the last case was in 2009. I mean, you get people visiting from other countries, stuff you could still have polio pop up every so often, but it's not a widespread thing. So maybe, you know, I hate this. I, I hate the idea that people have the decision and control of their children when it comes to bad ideas like oh yeah beating a child is not a bad idea right is that what they say beating an idea is corporal punishment they, there's a lot of people out there who say corporal punishment is in and it's totally fine I think it makes a brutal brutal person um, not giving your kids vaccine or medicine there's there's uh, religious beliefs that are anti, you know, medical no vaccines and things like that, and just be. And if you believe that, that's fine. But if it puts other kids in harm's way, then your kid has to be homeschooled. You know, they're not allowed to. You're not allowed to work for a certain. You're not allowed to work around kids. You're not allowed to be a coach. You're not allowed to do a whole bunch of things. You shouldn't be allowed to. If if there's something coming around, and a lion's share of the people in society, let's say, seventy-five percent agree on it, and twenty-five percent listen. Maybe we're gonna, maybe we do have to set up a separate country for these people. Maybe they do. They. It's funny because a lot of these people that former supporters of, of the occupant of sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, a lot of them are white nationalists, supremacists. They think they may have a black friend. They say. And, you know, they used to say, well, we can give them their, you know, originally when slavery was, you know, there were people out there who were, that were full endorsers of slavery. And there are other ones saying, ah, slavery is wrong, but we can't keep them here. We got to send them back. Now you forcibly took them out of their continent. They don't know where the hell they came from anymore. And then you're going to send them back to a country they have no idea and, and just send them back. That's like bullshit. That's like that's like kidnapping someone say, when they were... Kidnapping a, a, a one-year-old or an infant from a hospital in uh, Boston. And when they get up to be 18 years old and say, I'm going to take uh, them, I don't want them anymore. Drop them off in Seattle and fend for themselves. You didn't teach them anything either. It's stupid. You know? I mean, obviously, that analogy doesn't work uh, really good when you say, well, you just keep them the rest of your life. No, no, you got to tell them that. If someone was kidnapped their whole life and raised to adulthood, kidnapped, and then they were freed, what would the right thing to be, the way to treat that person? Well, the right thing would be to provide them education, a means of earning a living, Right, not tr- throw them out on the street. Okay. People say, "Well, they were happy. They would have. They would have been happy to stay in slaves." No, they won't. It wasn't their decision. You know, giving someone who, you know, give, giving someone an opportunity to say, "Listen, you can stay where you are," and it could be a horrible, or oh, you can come over here. That's indentured servitude, and they've done that. People voluntarily. Signed up for indentured servitude. But no, slavery is not the case. We'll talk about that some other time. And we'll talk about how, what competition you're afraid of. Why are you afraid of competing against other people? There used to be a Negro League baseball. And the white players and owners and people were reticent to have them. And I think it boiled down to they didn't want the competition you're afraid of competition. And if you're a fucking capitalist in the United States, you talk about the capitalism all the time, then you should not be afraid of that. Just like kids going to har if your kids if every kid got the same education, are you afraid your kids are too stupid that they couldn't compete against brown and black kids? I mean, a true competitor, a true capitalist would say, let the marketplace decide, the marketplace of humans, and the cream will rise to the top. And the same thing goes for scientific theory and stuff like that. So your dog shit theories, I use dog shit twice, or now it's three times, those theories will last a certain time, a lie can spread like wildfire and truth could languish but it eventually will come around lies can spread I've heard rumors inside uh, bars and different communities and societies and stuff like that but in the end the truth comes out and people always say that well the history book is written by the victors well historians come and kind of figure that out too you know, Rome was victors for the longest time, but then they realized the Romans were, there was a lot of Romans that were assholes, and the Greeks too, and the Macedonians, the Mesopotamians, the Egyptians, um, the Incans, the Aztecs. They're, they're all, I mean, you can, you can say all these wonderful things about people and stuff like that. About the West, They, they remember for God. From the advent of the movie technologies coming about, where you have um, Birth of a Nation. It was uh, the first silent movie. I think it was the first wide-release silent movie. They started the romanization of The Taming of the West. And for 50, 60 years after that, you had the demonization of the Native Americans. You know, we had, you know, they were always like, the Indians were always attacking for some reason. They were brutal. They were scalping settlers. I mean, you just imagine someone moving onto your property. And you decided, okay, you made the mistake. You made an agreement with your neighbors. And that was agreement it says, "Listen, this land was given to all of us, so we'll just hunt on this would be common land, and we'll all hunt on it and there's a there's plenty of wildlife they' game, like you know bison running across here, and we'll just take what we need, and we'll use all we can. we won't waste any. well, you know at one point, and I'll just take the most egregious story. After the finding or the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad, there was hunting, uh, trains that were used for hunting to kill bison, where people would ride in the trains and shoot the bison from the train. Don't take my word for it. Do your research. And what they would do is a conductor, an engineer would slow the train down when it came across a herd and get people the chance to shoot like they were at a fucking gallery, a shooting gallery. And the targets were live animals. And they would leave the rotting carcasses there on the plains. So, upwards of, there were upwards of uh, 60 million bison at one time. They got the herd, um, they got down to as little as 300. 60 million to 300. And if you don't like to hear it, that's your problem. You shouldn't be listening to the show. But that's the truth of the matter. So that's history. And history comes about. And people say, Victor's right to history. No, histor- historians write to history. And eventually, people do get smarter. People that survive are smarter. The people that do. We still have a large, with this. With social media, we have a large, uh, I guess, we have platforms that spread bad ideas. And there's people with certain agendas. They need to propagate those ideas. And some of those ideas is that it's a good idea not to get the vaccine. And that's the right thing to do. And they call themselves patriotic. Well, patriot, it's funny, when people call themselves patriots, it's usually something selfish. Usually, what they just said or, or what they're about to say is a very selfish thing. A patriotic American should have access to an automatic weapon. Blah, 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 blah. I'm a patriotic American, I don't need to be vac- vaccinated. Patriotic, I mean, fuck you. You're not patriot. You're the opposite of a patriotic American. Because a patriotic American does the the best for Americans and you're not doing it. You're selfish. You're propagating lies, lies about the last election. They're still doing it. So get off it. Get smart. I know maybe you got abused. I don't know who abused you. I don't know what who abused you, but let go of your hate. Let go of your hate. The water's fine. Come on in and be a patriotic American because you ain't it. I know that sounds like a convoluted argument, but it's 45 minutes and I did my show. So I'd like to thank you for listening. If you are in Key Largo, please stop at mile marker 102 to the catch restaurant and bar. It's open every day of the week for lunch and dinner. Happy hour from 3.30 to 6.30 with great deals on Mixed drinks, draft beer, bottled beer, and happy hour food. So come on in and uh, tell them if you come in and you're a listener of the show, tell me you're a listener of the Keys Bartender. And thank you for listening. Share the show with your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I think if you have any questions, send them to jimandkeysbartender.com. Thank you very much and have a great day day. Let's play that music. Now I won't talk over it.